All right. Welcome to what episode is this? Ten. Welcome to episode ten. <laughs> it's kind of weird to have you sitting right next to me, but we've got uh, Jer- <laughs> we've got Jeremy Moore on the phone. Uh, I I knew Jeremy as Elder Moore when I first met him, and Jeremy, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. I'm super nervous. Yeah. Well, luckily we uh, we're not like the Joe Rogan podcast or the Lex Friedman podcast. We we have like a total of twenty five listeners, I think. So, uh, there's nothing no, yeah, nothing so nothing to be nervous about. Yeah, exactly. Plus or minus. Yeah. Maybe maybe with you, we're gonna have millions of followers now. But yeah, yeah well, you never know. I'll send you the bill. But yeah, seriously, happens. thanks for coming on. Um, this is our first time recording virtually, so hopefully everyone listening is able to hear us clearly. Um, and that it goes smoothly, but I, uh, I guess I'll, I'll briefly introduce Jeremy. Um, I met him, like I said, on a, on, on a two-year church mission that I was serving for my church out in Oklahoma city. And during our times out on the mission, we spend different periods, um, months with different, what we call companions. And we can spend anywhere between one to two months to six to nine months sometimes, maybe even longer with certain companions. And I think that I only served with you for one transfer, which was a total of six weeks. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And what people may not know is uh, I became companions with Jeremy in a place called Shawnee, Oklahoma. And Shawnee, I I I don't even know if you know this, Jeremy, but... That was like the hardest period of my entire mission. Not because I was companions with you, of course, but know. just because it was <laughs> it was a tough area. I, I was coming from Stillwater, I think, where we had a ton of success and um, went to Shawnee, and it was a little bit more difficult from a mission perspective. You guys and had so I'm much super- success. You were like... You're like freaking famous there. You were like were on this video that they released out like worldwide. Yeah, I like, forgot about that. Dude, yeah. wild stuff. So I, I don't blame you. Not that Shawnee is bad, but that's quite the turnaround. <laughs> yeah, Shawnee was, it was tough. It was interesting. You you had been there forever, right? You had been there for like months and months. And then I yeah, showed I up think, on the doorstep. And... Yeah, it's, it kind of felt like forever. Like, I mean, I don't not like Shawnee, but like. When you're there for like, I think I was only there for like, it was six months or like seven and a half months. I can't remember, but it was like, it gets to the point where you kind of get like jaded. You're kind of like, I mean, if I was in Edmonds then I'd be like, keep me there. But like, (laughs) other than that, anyways. Why that area versus Sean? What's the difference? I mean, is it just the things to do or? Yeah. It's just because down more, I don't know. Edmond was a little bit more, I don't know. Affluent, uh, Shawnee was a little bit, I don't know, less affluent, if you will. And no, Edmund was very I found, affluent. I, yeah, I, I found that people in Shawnee weren't as receptive to our message or to missionaries like us as they were maybe in other areas of Oklahoma. I don't know if you, you felt the same way, but anyways, regardless, my point is we met on the mission. We were companions out in Shawnee. I got to know him pretty well. One thing that I was always impressed with about Eldermore was he was always the most patient guy in the room and he cared deeply about the people that he was serving. And he was always trying to serve me. And honestly, it became like super frustrating at one point because I was like, 
dude, you're always trying to like serve me and I do nothing for you. And, uh, anyways, so he's, he's, he's a great guy. I love him. And we were able to stay in touch after the mission and had a couple of conversations when I moved out here to Utah, some, some really good conversations actually. And I was, you know, sitting across the table with him and one, one time at lunch, I was like, dude, we, we should like, we should continue this conversation and put it out there for the world to hear. Cause I think there are a lot of people that would love to hear um, your story and kind of like how you've navigated what you've been through and, and how you've got to be at the point that you're at today. So that's why we want, wanted to have you on. And we're really grateful that you're taking the time out of your day to come talk to us. Yeah. I just want to say that <clears throat> maybe the reason why, like you're gonna make me cry with all those compliments, bro. But uh, we had a lot of, I know we had a lot of good experiences in Shawnee, but I'll be honest, the only real thing that I remember is the fact that I lost your bike and it was in my possession when we had it. Like we went on exchanges and like I was struggling getting a, like my bike out of the little thing that it was in. And you're like, hey, just take my bike, bro. Cause like I was going to, I think it was Midwest city. And yeah. long story short, um, it got stolen and uh, I felt really bad. So maybe I just had like, felt like I needed to make it up to you. I don't know. But yeah. so you basically what you're saying is you owe us that this is why yeah. you're jumping on the podcast. You owe us right? a bike's worth of a podcast. Yeah. One of these days when I make it financially, I'll get you another bike, but <laughs> not, not right now. <laughs> well, cool. Um, well, before we jump into things and hear your story, I'd like to um, start off with a, a quote. It's, it's a little bit of a long quote. Maybe it'll spark some discussion. But it's a book that I've been reading. Um, it's called The Crucible of Doubt by Terrell and Fiona Gibbons. And my, my wife bought it for me for Christmas. And I've, I've been reading through it the past couple of days. It's been really interesting. Um, but the reason I want to start with this quote is because for those who are listening to our podcast or have listened to other episodes, I want to be clear about some of our intentions for asking the questions that we do on this podcast. It's, I think, you know, when people listen to me, maybe they're a little bit confused about my intentions for asking what may seem as like super silly questions or maybe not as faith promoting questions as traditionally we were exposed to growing up in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I just wanted to be clear like a lot of the the questions that that we pose in my mind are philosophical exercises to help us um, re-examine why we believe what we believe. And I thought that this book did a really good job of helping um, helping to explain what it is that at least I hope to do with this podcast. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and feel free to follow along if you if you want, but. It starts by saying, we all inhabit geographical, linguistic, and social worlds that shape our vision and our impressions of what is normal, what is real. Our worldview is a collective set of assumptions we carry with us that condition every question we ask. These paradigms make it possible to guide inquiry, but they can also limit and impede our inquiry. They can get us off on the wrong foot, obscure our line of sight, or simply misdirect our focus. This is because all too often we don't realize the limiting assumptions with which we are working. We can't easily step outside most 
most such preconceptions. Even recognizing the extent of our unexamined assumptions can be the hardest thing of all. It's like asking a fish what it's like to be wet. What is wet? Even a miraculously verbal fish would reply, Our assumptions, like the ocean in which a fish swims, are the invisible background to our thinking, waking existence. Only when we have left a misguided assumption behind are we able to see it clearly. Then, we no longer ask why ships do not fall off the edge of the world. We don't, we don't bind women we don't like, throw them into a pond, and watch to see if they flow or sink. Neither do scientists try to measure the Earth's motion relative to the space through which it speeds. It should not be that difficult to recognize the implications of these transformations for our present circumstances and lives. We are inevitably living under the burden of, of some paradigms, individually and collectively, that will one day be relics with other conceptual assumptions we have cast off. It is only with hindsight that we can see the paradigms of the past for the intellectual straitjackets they were. The important point, however, is that those frameworks are not just themselves error-laden. Erroneous assumptions do not just forestall truth and progress, although that would be cause enough to lament their malign influence in our lives. They are like the dummy lock of Mossman's home. They point us in the wrong direction, limit our understanding, and even warp the questions we ask. Worse, they create the conditions for faulty reasoning and disastrous conclusions. <laughs> We are all prisoners of our preconceptions and faulty models. <clears throat> Those are frequently the problem in faith crises, not the questions that arise from them. After all, the restoration unfolded because a young man asked questions. The scriptures are replete with encouragement to question. Ask that you may know the mysteries of God is a common injunction, as is the oft-quoted verse from James 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and it shall be given. And we also receive many assurances that questioning will bear fruit. Surely shall you receive knowledge of whatsoever things you shall ask in faith. The unexamined paradigms with which we began can negatively affect a healthy propensity to question. They can point us in the wrong direction, misdirect our attention, or constrain the answers we are capable of hearing. In those circumstances, as Joseph Smith learned, some people will fly to pieces like glass as soon as anything comes that is contrary to their traditions. Various faulty conceptual frameworks or paradigmic uh, path pathogens may undermine our spiritual immune systems and create an environment where the search for truth becomes all search and no truth, where we find ourselves ever learning and never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. To be open to truth, we must invest in the effort to free ourselves from our own conditioning and expectations. This means we have to pursue any earnest investigation by asking what the philosopher Hans George Gadamer calls the genuine question. And that is a question that involves openness and risk. As he explains, our own prejudice is properly brought into play by being put at risk. With the faith that is open to any answer, we can never be sure what we will learn next. As the seed of faith sprouts and grows, we cannot know how the branches will bend or where the roots will twist. The genuine question yields results we could seldom anticipate. If we can but find a vantage point where the spiritual chambers of our soul are sufficiently still and the mental terrain is adequately clear. So that's a lot. I, uh, I, I felt like that did an incredible job of helping to explain why 
we go through this process on the podcast and have these discussions because I think it's worth questioning the paradigms that we're all constrained by. You know, growing up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there are traditions that, you know, we were taught or that we adopted, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and they guide our beliefs. And sometimes jumping back and asking those questions like, what is water as a fish? is important to do because it, it, it causes us to like really evaluate what is at the very root of our beliefs. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. I know it was a lot, but I wanted to start that that off with uh, with a, a, a quick, not so quick quote from the book. <laughs> Jeremy, would you like to go first? or? I just want to say that that right there is why I'm not a philosophy major. That was deep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no comment. Uh, but really, but... Oh, go ahead, yeah. There you go, Jerry. You go. Just gonna say, I just, I, I think that that was, I think for me, what I learned from that, or what I gathered is, it's important to ask questions, to always be learning, always be thinking, always be questioning, because at the end of the day, that's also how like revelation comes. Is it's just you're thinking, you're pondering, you're trying to find the truth. So, <clears throat> well done, book. Yeah, I two things came to me when Down was reading that. So one of the things was, uh. I'm glad that Dallin's addressing this because we talked about it at the end of the last podcast. And I essentially told him, I don't know if people know what you actually think or not. And afterwards, Dallin can say things like, well, like, I don't really think this way, but I'm just trying to push the conversation. And I'm like, well, you should make this clear <laughs> because if I don't know how you actually feel, then I doubt anybody else does. Um, so I'm glad that he did that. But the second thing that came to me when he was reading that was, uh, just because that we have a paradigm, it doesn't necessarily mean that, or like we have a paradigm uh, viewpoint that we've been raised with. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. It just may mean that we haven't really thought about it. So like, I don't know. So that like, particularly with the conversations that we've had recently, um, for example, like thinking about, you know, Jesus Christ being my savior and redeemer and him being like real, real and real to me, I had thought about, but I haven't really like questioned, but I've come to the conclusion that I don't think that that paradigm was wrong to think that he was real. But I think it was helpful for me to go through that exercise and really question it and really ask whether or not he is real. And so, or even asking the question, like if, if let's just say, real. let's just say Jesus did, wasn't a real person. Let's yeah. just say that for the sake of argument, he wasn't, would anything in your life change? And yeah. when you go through that philosophical exercise, it really like, Oh wow. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Is the reality of the event what is important to me? Or is it the things that we are taught through the story, if you will? So or both. Or what, yeah. yeah, or both, right? Like, yeah. like th those things are are important to question and ponder because it, it helps us to stretch and grow. And I think if the questions that you are asking don't scare you, I don't think that you're asking the right questions. If I can be so bold, <laughs> yeah, that but, is a down thing to say. Yeah. Anyways, well, Jeremy, let's let's jump into things, man. Let's uh, let's let's get into the the a little bit more about you. Um, so. I don't know if you want to preface this or if you'd like me to preface this, but I, I can kind of share my side if you'd like, or if, if, if you yeah, want to go ahead, like feel free to. No, go ahead. Say it again. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was I was I was just on my phone trying to see if I could uh, find the text that you sent that kind of like spurred this whole thing, but I I don't know why it's it's no longer there. But so I'll, I'll do the best that I can to summarize it. Um, I, I can't remember the exact events and how they transpired, but I think I had texted you. We started like talking back and forth when I moved to Utah. Hey, come play pickleball, dude. It's been a long time. Like. Let's get together. I think we did. We have lunch first, and then you sent the text. No, it, or it, do you it remember? Was, it was. I think it. I think it was after. After lunch, that we had. No, 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 no. I think I no. I told you before lunch, and then we had lunch about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think we'd played pickleball a couple of times, and then you had sent me a text randomly one day, and it was something along the lines of, "Hey, dude, just wanted to let you know." I'm gay and I totally understand if you don't want to be friends with me ever again. And I just wanted to get it off my chest, something along those lines, right? It's, it's not a perfect summary of, of what actually you sent, but the thing that shocked me the most. And I, I like, I called my wife after I was like, I can't believe he just said that. Like, why would he ever think that I would never want to be friends with him again? So I, I, I know part part of you was probably joking about that, but there was probably a little bit of truth, right? Like it's scary to come out and, and say that, especially in, you know, a, a tradition or in a, a church that maybe hasn't dealt with these issues, maybe the, the best of their ability in the past, right? Or, or maybe are still mm-hmm. dealing with these issues and don't really know what to make of them. So um, I think after that text, we decided to go and get lunch and talk about these things. And it was like a very eye-opening conversation for me, like truly eye-opening. I was like, geez, I, I had no idea that you were going through any of this. And um, so that's that's kind of how this all came to be. And I wanted to just have a conversation about it and um, kind of let you explain from your perspective, like what, what you've been going through the past couple of years and or maybe your entire life and, and, and let's chat about it. Yeah, I mean, when you repeat, when you when I hear it back, it I mean, it kind of makes it sound so dramatic. <laughs> like, but um, it's like, man, it didn't have to be that dramatic. But I mean, literally, like, I mean, I think part of it was was joking. It was kind of like a way to break the ice. But then at the same time, part of me was like, I legitimately was like worried because as I went throughout yeah. my whole life, like I I knew that I was gay probably like when I was in middle school. I think that's really when it like started and like, and I started how, how realizing old are you that when, when you're in middle school, like 10, 12, oh, like, how old is that? like, it's like early teens. Yeah. Early <clears throat> teens. Yeah. Maybe like early teens, probably like, I don't know, like maybe when I was around 12 or 13 or 11, I don't remember. I just kind of realized that I'm kind of not like everybody else. So, yeah. um, but, and so like, and at the time it's like, I kind of realized it, but I just didn't think anything of it. Like maybe this is just a phase maybe it'll just pass or maybe i'm just weird i don't know but um so i would go through my whole life and like at the time growing up you have to realize like today like there's still obviously stigmatism about people who are gay or lesbian or or whatever but back then like growing up it was like a lot less accepting than it is now and so um and so i would never like i'm always like I've always been kind of like a closed off person because of this. I just didn't want people to find out because I was so afraid of what people would think of me if they found out that I was kind of not what they thought I was. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that hurt my relationships 
for a long time, I would never like, I always had a hard time. Like, I feel like I get along with a lot of people and I have a lot of friends, but it was so hard for me to be like, to really develop deep relationships with people and become vulnerable because I just was so afraid that people would find out and I didn't want them to find out because I was so afraid. And so I lived my whole life, people thinking I was like this certain person. And I was just so afraid of when I finally would tell somebody, like, cause I've been thinking about telling people for a long time, like ever since like, like years I think about it, just, it would just relieve this burden over me. Like just so that they know I'm not, so I don't have to constantly hide who I am. But I was so afraid because people would like get to know me and they would develop this perception of who I was, who they thought I was. And then when they finally found out that I was not exactly who they thought, I was just so afraid that they'd be like, maybe upset or they would just be caught, so caught off guard that I'm not who that they thought I was, that they would just make them mm-hmm. feel like, you know, I don't really want to kind of like, I'll just slowly kind of exit your life kind of a thing. I was yeah. so worried about that. Um, but then like, as, and I haven't told everybody, like, I don't even know if my whole family knows still. Like I've told people that I, that I like trust. And this is good talking about it. Cause this is kind of like therapy for me. Cause I just don't talk about this that much. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're like being my therapist, but, um, no, definitely not your therapist, bro. Definitely not your therapist. Well, anyway, um, this is good to talk about Cause I, I really don't talk a lot about this with a lot of people, only with people that I really like I'm closer to that I trust. And maybe because I know that you guys have just a lot of infinite wisdom, I just trust you with what I'm talking about. But um, but anyway, so I was so afraid. But then as I started telling people, like I haven't told everybody that I know just because I think I just don't well, want to draw let, attention let me, to let myself. Me ask you, let me ask you this. Back up really quick because I'm, I'm interested to know when you decided to tell anyone and like why did you decide to just be like okay today's the day like i'm i'm gonna tell someone you know and, and who, who who was, was that yeah so what i did was like again i'd been thinking about this for like years and like every once in a while like i remember like my mom like i think people were i mean i feel like i'm a pretty good actor if i fool people this long but um <laughs> like i like people i think a lot of people had like suspicions about it like i remember like Several years ago, I was, I think, visiting home with my family um, for Christmas or something. And my mom was like, you do like girls, right? Because I would never go on dates. I'd always have to, like, find an excuse of why I wasn't going on dates, why yeah. I don't have a girlfriend, yeah. all these kind of things. And it would just get so draining. But, um, mm-hmm. and, like, it's like that moment, I was like, I should tell her. But I didn't. Because, again, I just, I just, I don't know, wasn't ready. So, it was, I think, um... It was like a couple of years ago. It was like, what year are we? 2023? It was like 2020. Yeah. I think it was last year. I started, I just like, it got to the point where like, I could tell that like society was becoming a lot more accepting of this. And it just got to the point where I was so tired of like living a double life in a sense, constantly trying to like be something else, hide this. It just, you have no idea how draining that can be. And so yeah. mm-hmm. I just got to the point where I'm like, I'm ready. Like, like I'm getting to a certain point where it's like I'm like hitting 30 and if I'm not married now, they're going to find out at some point. So I just – what I did was it was like – I think it was in the summer of last year or something. And all I did was I just – I made a video. I made some pretty sweet edits to it. I added some music to it. And I just – I basically videotaped myself and I said, hey, just want to let you guys know. And it was for my family. And so like, 
I just basically said in a video what I was thinking, just let him know that I'm gay. And then I sent it to him. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, if you're really interested, I'll send you that video. Cause I thought it was pretty yeah, sweet. I'll love to see the, yeah. the edits that I made. To that. But anyways, <laughs> Did um, you have like the Titanic theme music going on in the background or like, what was the music no, that you added to? I mean, to? like <laughs> looking back, maybe I, I think looking back, I maybe shouldn't have done that. Cause like some of my family thought it was a suicide note, but, um, Ooh. Gosh, Anyways, um, yeah. I know I had I added the sweet video like that was like there's like a really pop there was a song that was in Stranger Things that was like really popular at that time and uh -huh. I thought it fit so anyways yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mysterious yeah. <laughs> yeah well I'll send you it and you can judge me if you think it's weird but yeah um, and so I made a video I sent it to him and then I just turned off my phone for a couple of days <laughs> like oh really and then yeah. I was like, I was like, I really don't want to talk about it, but I just want to let you guys know that this is what I've been going with for a long time. Now you don't have to wonder why I'm not going on dates. And so I sent the video to them and then I just kind of turned my airplane mode on. And then like a day later, I sent a couple of texts to some of my close friends. Just let them know because like, I just, I didn't want to like, like if I'm hanging out with people, it's just like, I want to be who I am. No, I don't want to like hide yeah, it. I totally. want to just know this is who I am. So that's what I yeah. did. I just, and then I felt, I felt kind of relief but then i was like part of me was like but now i'm like worrying because now people know so like what are they gonna think and so anyways everyone's been super supportive so far so but that's that's kind of yeah, how, how, how did how did how did your family react were they i'm, I'm assuming they were supportive I, i'm assuming they understood right yeah they said like you know nothing changes um with this information um which i'm really grateful for because like you, know, you think yeah. you think it in your head like it's going to be so much worse than really what it's probably going to be, and so they just basically sent texts. I, I told them I didn't really want to talk about it, um, but they kind of just sent me some texts saying that they were supportive. And then I think a couple of days later, maybe a week later, like I um I FaceTimed them and just kind of talked about it a little bit. But mm. yeah, that's kind of how it went. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That's, that's, I, I can't even imagine. Well, I, I can to a certain extent, but maybe not to the extent that you, that you went through in your life. But I think in like one of the earlier pot uh, episodes, we talked about the importance of living authentically and what that can do for like your mental health. Like when, when you start to live authentically, it's like a burden is lifted off your shoulder. And I think in, in the culture of the church, if, if I can just generalize for a little bit, I think sometimes we, we think that we have to live a certain way or we have to put off that we are living a certain way as disciples of Jesus Christ, <laughs> that maybe we don't live as authentically as we would. And I always am asking the question, like, there's a fine line between living authentically and also trying to live the way that God wants us to live. For example, language, cussing, right? You don't see a lot of Mormons dropping F-bombs all the time. But I know for a fact that they think it constantly when they're frustrated, angry. No doubt. Because, yeah, because I was do like, I, I suppressed my language my entire life. And then there was one time where I was like, screw it. I didn't say screw it. I said F it. And uh <laughs> I'm, I'm just not going to stop, start caring about it. Like I'm, I'm going to try, I'm, I'm going to live authentically. And like, I'm, I'm tired of like 
suppressing this, right? Whether that was a good decision or not, it, it remains to be seen. But I can tell you, it was one of those moments where I felt like, man, I feel free, you know, like free to express myself. And I, I no longer had that burden or that guilt or that shame. And I recognized that even when I was living this way, cursing, and maybe not using language that is fit for a disciple of Jesus Christ, I was like, wow, God still loves me. You know, he's not, he's not going to punish me. And I'm still his son. And he is still my father. And he loves me, right? And nothing has really changed between that relationship. So I'm curious from your perspective, how you kind of, when, when you decided to come out publicly or when you decided to be like, okay, this is just like who I am. I've got to accept it. Wh what did that do in terms of like your relationship with God? Did anything change for you? Did you feel any difference? And what, what was that experience like? I don't know. Like, <clears throat> to be honest, I don't know if I feel that different. And it's hard for me because like before I, told my family and I started telling people and there are people that I still want to tell, I'll eventually tell them, but, um, I would like just kind of like, if, cause I've like always struggled with my life. Like, who am I? What's my purpose? Like, where do I fit in the whole grand scheme of things, especially in the church? Because it's like, I just feel whether it's right or not, I just feel so opposite of what I'm supposed to be. And so like, I would like spend days, before I told people, and I still do this sometimes, I just walk around, just try to get my thoughts going, get the blood pumping, the juices flowing, where I would go to the temple and just like, just kind of walk around. And I would just like, I had this thought, I don't know if it's me or just like what it is, but like, I, I've struggled with my relationship with God because of this. I feel like I just don't, because I've never just had like, I've never really gotten a lot of answers. Like I remember listening to like one of your podcast episodes and, um, and I think it was Chris that said this, um, that like, you know, whenever you are praying for answers, it's like your wife always seems to get answers, always seems to get like <laughs> things happen for her. But then whenever you pray, it's like, it's kind of like sometimes it's crickets or something, or you just, it just, so you'll ask her to pray for you. So maybe you should ask your wife to pray for me or something. But, um, but I mean, I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, okay. I just, well, I, I don't, do. I just don't feel like I get a lot of answers. Like I, like, I remember I had this thought, like I was at the temple in Seattle, which is not actually in Seattle, it's in Bellevue, which is really weird. Anyways, pet peeve of mine. It's not Seattle <laughs> temple. Anyways, um, I was like, I'm gay and there's, it's okay. Like he still loves me. It's like, it's okay. But then at the same time, I was just like, it's so hard for me to develop a relationship because I just feel so... I just never seem to get answers of like, what's my purpose? What, you know, like what, why am I this way? Is it okay to be this way? Like, like if I want to act upon it, is it okay? Or am I going to be destined yeah. for the celestial kingdom? Like, I still think about yeah. that. Like it's been so yeah, ingrained sure. in me. Like if I, cause like, I'm, I'm not happy being alone. It's a paradigm. To be the honest. paradigm you grew up in. Yeah. I was growing up and just, Everything you're taught, whenever this subject would be taught, it's like, you know, it's not okay to be gay. And then kind of as time went on, it's like, well, it's okay to be gay. You just can't act on it, which to me means, well, you still kind of can't be gay. If you can't act upon it, you can't really be gay. So, yeah. Um, so it's like, I still like, I want to find somebody. And like, I'm living in Missouri right now. 
And I'm kind of in an area that's, I wouldn't say it's the boondocks, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily the most populous area. So I haven't really found yeah. anybody, but part of me is thinking like, if I did find somebody, I don't kind of want to, cause I don't really want to be here. But, um, yeah, but it's like, if I do so, find somebody, I still have this thought, like, is it, am I, am I doing the wrong thing? You know, like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your question, like, I feel like I'm not getting any answers or I feel like I, you know, I'm, I'm getting crickets. Is it specifically in regards to this issue? I'm assuming you've probably felt answers to prayers on different things, but am I wrong in that, assuming that? And it's just and mostly I, this issue that you haven't had answers on? I mean, to be honest, I've always had a hard time feeling like I'd get to get revelation. Like for whatever reason, I just like, like I've always believed like that good things can happen and stuff. And maybe I haven't had answers to prayers and I just didn't realize or just didn't recognize it. But I've always struggled to feel like that God is there, that he's listening to me, that he acknowledges me because it's just like, like one of my biggest questions in life is like, well, what's my purpose in life? Like, not just mm -hmm. like who, like with who I am, like being gay, but just like how, like I've never, like what am I supposed to do with my life in general? Like with my career, like where I'm supposed to live. I just, yeah. and maybe part of it's because I'm like, I'm really not a good at making decisions. I'm really not. Like I will go to the store <laughs> and like, if I want to get some goldfish, like I'll be like, okay, but which bag do I grab? Like, which one do I get? <laughs> so it's like, like, does one have like more in it than the others? Like, I don't know. Like, so like I'm perennially bad at that. And so maybe like, I think, well, maybe the reason why I'm just not getting answers is because he's trying to teach me to like be decisive. But it's like, this yeah. is such yeah. an important thing for me. And it's like, I just, it's been so hard yeah. to like, I don't know. So that's, that's my experience. Dude, listen, I, I, I relate to you in, in, in this because I, I actually, I still remember that podcast with Chris. I was like, Chris, I have had like total opposite experiences. I very rarely get answers to prayers the way that Chris does or that his wife does. Right. For me, it's, it's, it's morphed into this relationship with God in that I go to him, I say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Confirm to me whether or not this is right or wrong. If there's yeah. crickets, then I just go back to him and say, hey, I really feel like this is probably the best decision. I'm not super sure, but I'm going to make a decision. And I'm going to go with it. If this is the wrong way to go, please let me know. I, I hope that you guide me a different direction because <laughs> and, and just make yeah. sure that I know it and, and I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. But like, here, here it goes. Like I'm, I'm going to send it. And I think you're right, dude. I think that like we're agents to act. And I think that maybe in our earlier spiritual days, like, like a child, for example, like my son comes to me and he always asks me like what he needs to do, or he, he needs more guidance and more advice. And I have to be a little bit more like straightforward with him be mm -hmm. like, Hey, you've, you've got to do this and you've got to do it this way. But I, I imagine that as he turns 18 or 20, 25, like I, I don't go to my dad for that kind of advice as often. I still go to him for advice to like talk things through, but it's more of like a sounding board, right? It's yeah. like, hey, yeah. dad, here's what I'm thinking. Um, what do you think? And then I'm, I'm, right. I'm at the end of the day, like have to make the decision and I've got to be okay with that decision. So I, I kind of feel like that is how my relationship with God and answers to prayers has kind of morphed over the years. Whereas when I was younger, I kind of felt like I needed to say a prayer and that he was going to give me a direct answer, almost like a text message. And I, 
think we're just right. conditioned to believe that, right? Because we have answers yeah. at our fingertips. Anytime we no want to go to Google, now we can go to ChatGPT. We can get immediate responses from people when we text them or when we call them or when we email them. So um, I, I don't think that it's odd that you have that experience. I think that probably 99% of Christian Christians are, are the same way. I think that there are very few that get answers the way that maybe Chris does, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but I totally relate to what you're saying. Well, I would say that at least mm -hmm. to defend to some degree, I would, I would lean more in this direction where I normally, like at least now, and maybe this is helpful for you because I've felt that way before where I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, and I feel like I'm not getting an answer. Um, and I've learned through just trial and error that if I do make the decision and I ask, okay, I'm going to do this, I hope that this is okay. Normally, I, that's when I get my answer. And that, normally I get it right then. I like in the prayer or like the next day or whatever, if it's right or wrong. So that, that, that has helped me uh, in getting answers. And I, I, my wife does get them more frequently than, than me, it seems like, but I've leaned into maybe how she's done it or like what Dallin was just saying. And that's, that's definitely helped me feel like he's answering me more. And so with, with your experience and with you going through all this over the last, you know, 20 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about since you've known, like what has, what's your, if you don't mind asking, what's your relationship with God like now? And what's your relationship with the church now? Um, you know, ha, like, have you stopped going to church or is that something that you're still working through? And do you feel like because of this and the absence of answers with God, you're kind of in this limbo land with him right now? I, I will be honest. I'm kind of in a limbo land right now, but I mean, I, I don't have like, I don't have like any, I don't have any, um, like anger or anything towards the church. Like I don't feel like upset or anything. I mean, I've never really been treated, you know, poorly. I know a lot of people who, who come out, they just become anti-everything and they just get so angry. They have all this anger like built up in them. Like, I'm just not built that way. I just don't want to – it's just not – I don't feel like that you can really live a happy, successful life. I mean, not that I know what a successful life is because I haven't found it yet. But um, it's – but I don't know. Like, I don't have any animosity towards the church because it's just like – I think overall my experience is the people inside the church are just good people just trying to do what they think is right. So like, I haven't been to church in a while. Like I've been here and there, but like I did go, like I, I'm, my brother and his wife live near me. And so like, if their kids are like doing like a program or something, I'll go and support it and stuff. But like, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't not like not believe, like, it's not like I don't believe the church is true. It's just like, it's so hard to feel like I fit in, in the church right yeah. now with the culture yeah. of it. You know, and I'm, I don't really want to go to a 30, 30 and up singles ward. I just, I feel like if, when I do that, I feel like I'm just like destined for nothing. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. but it's like, I just, it's so hard to fit in. And like, you know, I don't, it's, it's been hard for me to develop a relationship with God just because like, I just have so many questions and I just, it's just been, because I just feel again, like I feel, it just who I am feels so against what the culture is of the church. It's just so hard to fit in. So it's just, I've just gotten to the point where it's like, 
I wasn't really happy going. I didn't really enjoy going and seeing all these people and, and it's just would like, it make you sad seeing that, like, would it, does it make you feel like, uh, like, I mean, do you long for that or like, I mean, a little sad, but it's just like, you know, the whole premise, like, I mean, not the whole premise, but a big part of what's taught, like in the plan of salvation, for example, is you need to get married, you need to have a family. Because, I mean, I, I don't disagree with, like, families are very important, I think, in society. I think that's a very important thing. But that's just not mm -hmm. really in the cards for me. It's never really been in the cards. It's not something that I necessarily wanted because I knew that it wasn't possible just because that's not who I am. And so it's just, like, when I see that, and I, like, it's nice to see people happy and stuff. But when I see, like, that I just, I'm not really, like, it just, I'm not, like, the culture of the church of having that it's all about families and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, that's not really for me. So it's just so hard to continually go and everyone's talking about families and all that kind of stuff. And like, and it's like, well, it doesn't really feel like it applies to me. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the thing that stood out to me in our discussion at lunch was like, you, you keep asking like, well, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? And to someone like, like me who is not gay, like it, it seems a little bit more clear for me, like, what is my purpose? Well, I get married, I have kids, I get to experience the family unit, right? And so like, I, I can't, going, going into this podcast, I was thinking about like what I wanted to ask because I think when you first sent me that text and you came out to me, I, I was like, okay, interesting. It, it kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, okay, I, I didn't really see that coming, but okay, fair enough. And then I got super, super yeah. excited I was like, this is great. Like Jeremy is a good friend of mine. I cannot wait to talk to him about these things because I myself have so many questions. Like yeah. I have a ton of questions. This is something that is not solved for me. And I know that, that for many Mormons or Christians, like it, it is solved. It's like, well, you have to make a choice between your homosexuality and God almost, right? And yeah. for me, I don't think it's that simple. And so I don't know what to make of it yet. And so I was very, very intrigued to talk to you about that. And when we started talking about it, I was like kind of flabbergasted because I, I, I guess I didn't realize like, because originally the way that I thought about it was, okay, sexuality is a part of human existence, no doubt. But it's not the, the biggest part of human existence. It's not like I go and I talk about sex all day with my friends, right? Like more my sexual preferences. Maybe I did as a teenager, but I, I no longer do that, right? Like we've, we've, we've been past that phase. And so originally it was like, okay, well, sexuality is such a small part of people's life. Like, why does this matter in the grand scheme of things? And then you started talking about like, well, what is my purpose? Because I don't, I don't fit the mold necessarily. Right. And that's, that's how you felt. And I was like, oh, whoa, I guess I didn't, didn't realize that. Right. Like if you're not attracted to women, then you're probably not going to go out and marry a woman and then have kids with that woman and live according to God's plan of salvation. So like, what is Jeremy supposed to do? And, and when I, when I had that realization, I was like, Whoa, that's, that's heavy. That's like heavy stuff to live with for your entire life. So, um, and I still don't know what to think about it. I have different ideas and thoughts, but I, I, I can't say with any certainty that I have any idea what God wants us to do with this, I don't, I don't want to say problem, but like, what does he want us to do with this, this, these situations? Like, 
if my son comes out to me when he's 14 and says, Hey dad, I, I like boys, you know, like I'm gay. Then what am I going to do? Like, how am I obviously going to support him? But like from a, a spiritual and religious standpoint, what are we to make of this? Mm-hmm. Right. I think about like, and you hear stories of people who like, <laughs> like I've heard stories of like people who um, get married, they start a family and they come out like, Oh, I'm actually gay. And I'm like, like yeah. to me, I'm like, that's just like, how like you, you must be like so unhappy or you're bi and you're just lying. But, um, but like, and this part of me thinks about like to go on to that. It's like one thing I think about, and maybe this is just like, maybe I'm just misinterpreting this scripture, but there's like a scripture somewhere in the book of Mormon. It's like an Alma and it's like the spirit you take in this life carries on with you in the next life. And so I'm like, well, if I'm gay and this is like who I am, how does that affect me in the next life? Because like if the next life, if it really is about families and stuff like that, and, and like cause some people say, well, you just got to stay strong, you know, pull a sherry do, don't get married. And then in the next life, it's going to be all made right. So, and by the way, Matt, sherry, sherry, sherry do is not married. I don't think so. I think she's like a perennial single lady, yeah. right? Yeah, really? she's yeah, never been married. That's what she was kind of known for. Oh. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Anyway, sorry. Mad, res- that. <laughs> mad respect no. her. See, see, I can teach you something. Wow, it makes you feel good. Um, <laughs> uh, but but and they're like, well, you just stay strong. Don't get in a relationship. Be celibate your whole life, and the next life is all going to be made right by the Lord. And not that it can't be. Like if God can do anything, then why not? Right. But at the same time, it's like, but. And I think if this is who I am in this life, like, don't I carry that with me to the next life? So how does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so that just goes back so to again, like, so then what's my purpose? Like, what, like, why, why am I the way that I am? Like, why would this happen to me? And like, if it's not right. So I don't know. Yeah. That's just things I think so, about. For sure. I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is, it's, I guess it's two questions now. So if, like... In the next life, you weren't gay. Would that be something that would be happy? Like, would that make you happy? Like, oh, okay, I can experience this now. Like, would that be something that you would accept or not? And then the I, second thing is, well, actually, I'll want that answer first. Well, okay. I think at that point, like, if I like got set back to default or something, then I think I would accept it. <laughs> Because like yeah. that's all I probably know at that point again, and I'd be happy. But like, but knowing what I know right now, it's like growing up. Like I would pray to God and be like, "Please, like, change me. Like, help me to like like girls. Help me to like get through this. Because it's like if this is not right, then I want like to be right. But then nothing happened, right? Like I'm still mm-hmm. gay, and so um. So knowing what I know now, like I, I'm kind of, I'm getting to the point where like I'm accepting it, and that's like this is just who I am, and I'm I'm okay with it now, and I want to have a relationship with somebody else. But if like in the next, so in the next life, I don't know how it's gonna work because if I am like automatically changed, and I'm sure that I'd be okay with that because like that's now like who I am. But it's just right now the way i think about it it's like i'm like okay with who i am now i think i'm starting to really like now that i'm kind of like coming to terms with it on more of like a public level it's like well 
maybe it is okay. Maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'm just worrying so much because of the culture that we've, we've built up in society, but maybe it's like, maybe it is like not the end of the world. So. Well, here's, here's, here's what, here's the question that I think me and you started to go down this path, Jeremy. And if, if we we're going too deep and heavy, like feel free to be like, Hey, back off, you know, like we, we don't have to talk about these things. But what's interesting to me is when you talk about, you talk about your purpose, you talk about how you don't necessarily fit the mold. And so what does that mean for my happiness? Right. And so if you don't mind, I'd love to go through like this, this philosophical exercise that I keep alluding to not not, understanding that I don't have the answers, nor (laughs) am I trying to point to anything, but it it makes me wonder in my own life too, honestly. And and I've talked to many friends about this. and, And in fact, I've talked to my wife about this, but like what role does sex and sexuality play in our happiness, right? Because when we talk about homosexuality or being straight, for example, we say, well, if I'm not able to get married and have a sexual relationship with another man or, you know, another woman, then that means that I can't be happy. And so my question is, well, does that actually mean that I can't be happy in a relationship and if so, what role does sexuality play in our relationships to the end that we are supposed to be happy? Does that does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, I, I do remember actually when we were had lunch that one day at uh shout out to Aubergine because it's actually a really good restaurant. So Aubergine. Um, <laughs> but um you should get them to sponsor your uh podcast there. Um, They're gonna sponsor it after this. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind like just to like maybe a one percent cut or something, but um, uh, but I do remember talking about that, and um, I don't know, like, because it's you kind of took that to another level, because I just didn't really think about that. Um, so, because like, I feel like when you're taught, like, like the scriptures say, wickedness never was happiness, right? So they're like, well, yeah. if you're gay, you're kind of being wicked, so you can't be happy. But like, and I'm not the best person to maybe ask this question because I still kind of like am pretty gringo in that category in terms of dating and relationship, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> but like, yeah, but I feel like, like you see a lot of people, at least like, I, I think that if I were to get in a relationship and it's like, you know, we buy or whatever, I think I could be happy. I think you could be happy because you see people like, you know, all over who, who are gay or lesbian and they seem to be pretty happy. I mean, it, I mean, it appears to be that way. So I don't sure. know, yeah, I don't sure. know where, it all, where it all comes from, but like how it all fits, but it's like, maybe like, cause you, you talked about like, I'm trying to remember what you said because you like, you kind of blew my mind with what you were sharing with that. But I was like, you're kind of saying like, can you like, do we really like in this life, do we really know what love is? Are we really like, like, what did you say? You're like, like, um, like maybe we don't really know the full meaning of what love actually is in this life. And we're just, it's all just kind of like superficial stuff. I don't know. Yeah. The example that I gave, I think, and, and this perspective ironically changed when I was able to have sex and conceive and have a baby, right? Like I am now a father, I have children and, um, I, I know and understand a love that I never once understood until I was a father. And so 
the love that I have for my two little boys is completely non-sexual, obviously. And I would say it's the most pure love I have ever experienced in my life. And I've talked to Chris about this. I've talked to other friends about this. I would say that the love a father has for his children or a love that a mother has for her children is the nearest that we can get to charity or the, the, the kind of love that God talks about in scripture. It's the pure love of Jesus Christ. It is not earned. It is bestowed. And I honestly believe that was my experience. Like all of a sudden I'm holding this little baby. I don't know who this baby is. I'm meeting him for the first time and I'm feeling this intense love that was, is, was not earned. It was not deserved on my part. And I just realized like, my gosh, like this is the most important thing in my life right now is this little baby. And I love it. And it was like, it was bestowed upon me. It was given to me. Right. And so that kind of love doesn't have any sexual feeling in it at all. And so I started to wonder, like I started to compare it with my relationship with my wife. Obviously I was sexually attracted to my wife, of course. And it plays a big role in our relationship. I would be lying if I didn't say that sexuality didn't play a role in relationships, but does it have to? And is it the only, is it one ingredient in the relationship that is part of this bigger recipe, right? And so it just kind of got me, it got me curious about like how we view love in society today. Like it's very, very over-sexualized. Everything is sexualized, right? But I would say that, you know, it is possible to have relationships with people, very deep, genuine connections, meaningful, happy, joyous relationships without the sex. Uh, I, I have it with Chris. I would say that I have it with you to a certain extent. I have it with my wife. I, I have it with a lot of my other friends and like family members. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of going on a rant, but yeah, part of me wonders, like, do we actually understand what it means to love? And sometimes when I hear people who struggle, I shouldn't say struggle, but who who are homosexual or bisexual or whatever it is, or transgender, they say, well, what are you telling? You're, you're telling me that I can't love the, the person that I want to love. And I'm like, well, when you put it that way, of, of course, like I sound like a psychopath, but that's not, that's not what anyone is is saying i don't think i think that we're just we're, we're asking the wrong we're question sex is love yeah. yeah sex is is not necessarily love can it be a part of love yeah i think so right and maybe maybe at the end of the day god is going to come to us and he's going to be like you know what guys like this just wasn't as important as you made it seem and i i don't know right but the family right. proclamation clearly says marriage is between a man and a woman but even then i'm like well mm. It hasn't always been between a man and a woman. Sometimes it was between man and women, right? It's like, or <laughs> women and men, right? So, yeah, I don't true. know. You, you shared a scripture with me last week, Jeremy. You reminded me in Jacob. It's like when Jacob's talking about polygamy, like marriage is supposed to be this way until I command it, right? And so I think we have to be open to the possibility that maybe we don't have the full picture right now. And we have to be open to the idea that God is continuing to reveal. That is what this church was built upon. Mm -hmm. The restoration was built upon continued revelation. And the most important revelation is today's revelation, not yesterday's revelation, today's revelation. God speaks, not spake. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, but if there is more revelation to come on that, why does it seem to be taking so long on this? Or maybe it's just this is 
Like, right. like we're not ready for more information. We're just not ready to hear it. Or maybe we're just, I don't know, interesting to think about. Well, listen, if, if, if that is the case and there is more revelation to come, it wouldn't surprise me that it's taking this long. Like this is, these are paradigms that we've been constrained to for years, hundreds of years since the beginning, mm -hmm. yeah, since the beginning, homosexuality was always viewed as a sin and maybe it still is. I have no idea. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, like, like I said, I'm right. just going through these philosophical exercises to kind of like un, undo a lot of these, uh, paradigms that we've been constrained to. So, um, right. Yeah, I mean, you could ask the same question about like blacks and the priesthood, for example. You know, black people were not given the priesthood at one point in the history of our church. And I'm sure there were people right. that were like, well, this is not right. This does not feel right. Like, why is it taking so long for this revelation to come? And part of me wonders right. if it's just, it's frankly just human error, right? We're, we are human. I, I don't, <laughs> many, many believing members right. of the church, I know Chris is cringing right next to me, no. but. Uh, I think that, you know, that that's, that's a possibility. It, it really is a possibility or maybe God's ways are higher than our ways and he's waiting for something. I don't know. I think like, you know, if at the end of the day, when you look back, like, you know, at judgment day or whatever, you know, it's like, you look back and you hope that he'd be like, okay, now this is why. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, at, but in the moment you're like, why can't you just tell me that now? You know, it's like, why wait? But, and, and like with the, with the gay thing, it's like, there's really not a lot. You look at the Bible and the Book of Mormon, there's like almost nothing about homosexuality. There's like a few scriptures here and there, but it's like, the only scriptures that I can think of, it's like those who were gay were basically killed. So I'm like, great. So it's a good thing that I didn't live back then because that would be a horrible fate. But it's like yeah, all that we totally. know is just those few scriptures. And, and then you think like, well, the Bible is not fully accurate. If we don't think that the Bible was fully translated correctly, then how do we know that those scriptures are actually accurate? If it was just people who were so just afraid of people who were homosexual, they just thought, let's just throw this in there, you know? But we and can't say by that. the paradigms just, of their day. Yeah, but we can't say that because we just, we just don't know. We just were not going to know. Yeah. We don't know what they were going mm -hmm. through. We don't know what they were thinking. But then so all that we yeah. really have is those a few scriptures and then like the modern day now. revelation, like the proclamation of the family, which again, like you said, that kind of takes private pre precedence because it was kind of built for, I guess, our day. I don't know. So, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't remember what my point was. I just lost my train of thought, but, um, well, I think but it's like, there's just so much, not, there's just so much that we don't know. And it's like, there's just so little that we know. It's like, why? Like, I, I guess like, it's just like maybe this we have all that we need to know right now, but it's like it's just why is there's just so little on this yeah. topic? That's that's the frustrating part. And then when I going back to like trying to find answers to the questions that I have, it's like I can't really find a lot of answers because there's not a lot out there anyway. And then it's like, well, I'm not really receiving personal revelation. Maybe it's just because I'm not recognizing it. But I don't know. That's just things that I think about. Yeah, yeah. But it's a very tricky spot to be in. I, <clears throat> and I empathize for those. Um, like you who have struggled with this your whole life, you know, and have faced this duality of authenticity, you know, like is my true eternal self an actual, like becoming like Heavenly Father, being married with a woman and having children, or is my true authentic self not that, you know, like that question is fundamental to everything that you do in your life, right? Or at least what you're aiming towards. One of the things that came to me was 
like, I wish that we did know. And I, one of the things that Dow and I have talked about, like, I just, I don't know, like, and I don't know why, <clears throat> like the commandments are the way they are. I don't know why sex has to be within the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman. And I don't know why marriage has to be between a man and a woman. Like, I kind of view those things, like what Dow was saying is almost like independent, like, the, the commandment of chastity is different than the commandment of marriage, but they are related. Like they fall under the umbrella of the same thing, but they, they are separate. And so, you know, if like, I can't have sex with a woman outside of marriage, right? Even though it is a woman, it, it's still breaking that commandment. And, uh, but for you and for those that are gay, like, I can't even imagine the like, man, do I really need to go my whole life without having sex? Like, but then to Dallin's point, it's like, is sex really all that I need in my life to be happy? Like, is that like that, like Dallin said, that's a very small aspect of my life now. I mean, it, it's part of it, but it's, but like you said, it's a lot easier saying that being married and being able to have had yeah. sex and to have sex, you know? So it's right. a lot easier saying that from my position, but it isn't my whole life. In fact, it's like, 0.01% of my life. And so, but, so I don't know, like all of this conversation is like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to reconcile what we know. I don't know if you will be gay in the next life or not. Part of me, this is Chris Isaac doctrine. Part of me thinks that like, if you want to have a family and if you want to have that experience and be like Heavenly Father, like, and you weren't gay in the next life, and you want that, like, I think that would be given to you. However, I do, I have spoken to some people who say, yeah, I'm gay. That's who I am. And in the next life, like, I don't want to be straight. Like, that's who I want to be. And I think that like, we'll have that reward, so to speak. Like, I think learning about justice and God's justice, like, I think God will give us the desires of our hearts and like our true desires of our hearts. But again, that kind of puts you in this awkward space of like, okay, so do I find a guy? Do I start a family with him? And then in the next life, do I say like, see you later to this guy and then find a woman if I want to be straight and, you know, be like God, or do I, or do I just stay with him to what we know, like in the terrestrial kingdom and, you know, I'm still extremely happy, but I'm not like God. It's a very, like, I'm like, it's a very tough spot to be in and what you want to do, you know? It's a tough conundrum because it's like, because I am gay, that's kind of who I want to be because I'm attracted to other dudes. It's kind of what I want. Now, if I were straight mm -hmm. and I was attracted to women, then yeah, I probably want a family. That's probably what I'd want. I'd want to do that. But that's kind of not where I'm at right now because I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the, re yeah. the reason why I don't have that desire to have a family is because this is not who I am. It's not like I'm trying to rebel. It's like, it's not that yeah. I'm just like... So it's tough because it's like, well, I'd maybe have that desire in the next life if I wasn't gay. But because I'm gay, that's kind of like all I know. It's like, I just, like, if that's what you want for me, maybe I would try in next life. But because I'm gay and I'm attracted to dudes, it's like, well, I'm kind of at a disadvantage because it's like, I don't have that desire for eternal family just because that's not who I am. So yeah. it's, it's so yeah. tough. But like, again, it's like, in the next life, if she's like, all right. You had your fun. Let's go back to normal or something. It's like, okay, here we go. Um, 
but mm-hmm. it's just we don't know, you know. But I, but yeah. at the end of the day, if God is who He says He is, <laughs> at the end of the day, He's gonna make it all right in the end, right? Like, he just has to, right? If that's mm-hmm. who He is, He's all knowing, all loving, just like it's got to be made but, right. But 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 even though He is all knowing and and things will be made right, it doesn't mean that it absolves our responsibility to try and make things right now right like this and and i'm not saying that you're doing this right like but i I think that many christians do do this it's like okay well we don't have the answers we'll know someday but just got to sit in this and like i don't don't know i don't buy into that man like i i understand we're not going to understand everything in this life and there are some things that we may never figure out but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep trying to figure them out Right. We should be seeking. We should be knocking. We should be asking these questions and trying to understand them because some of the the revelation or the inspiration that God is willing to give us is contingent upon our studying it out in our heart and studying it out in our heart sometimes takes years and lifetimes to study things out to get to the right questions. And sometimes we're not even asking the right questions like this book was alluding to. Sometimes we have to reevaluate exactly what we're thinking about and why we're thinking about these things and maybe we need to be asking different questions and and so i agree with you like at the end of the day it's going to be okay like we're going to be okay but that doesn't mean that you have to suffer through this you know for or maybe it does i I don't know maybe that's the wrong question to ask right but we should we should be we should be continuing to ask these questions and trying to figure it out because it's, I, I believe it's our duty. Like if, if we're honest seekers of truth, we should be after the truth always. And we should never settle yeah. with, okay, well, we'll find out someday. Yeah. So I'm just going to chill. Yeah. And I, I think the church. Some, oh, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead, yeah. I'll make a really quick point. Um, I, I think the church as a whole and the organization as a whole is trying to push towards this message, like with Elder Holland and even Elder Oaks recently and President Nelson, like, uh, just because you're gay doesn't mean that you shouldn't come to church and, and like you shouldn't do the things that uh, Jesus Christ asks. And I would say that that would be the opposite of what Christ would want, right? Like Christ, Christ would never say, oh, you're gay. You can't be here. You shouldn't come. You shouldn't, you shouldn't follow all the other commandments that I've asked you to do, right? Like, uh, so, but like, it, again, I'm glad the culture is kind of shifting I, there's actually a, a trans person in my ward. Um, interesting person. But I applaud, despite all his or her, Al, the name's Alma. Um, despite all of Alma's thoughts and opinions, Alma still comes to church, which is, you know, kudos to Alma, right? Like that's, like that's, I know that's probably very awkward and, and everything, but um, I I hope that, that's at least how you feel. And it sounds like that is like, you don't have any animosity towards the church at all. sounds like, but it's just like, I don't know, like going to singles ward is weird. And I don't yeah. know how the, the members in Missouri or where you're at, if you were to go to a family ward and if you did have like a boyfriend, how that would come across, you know, but hopefully one day members of the church. Oh dude, it would come across as bad. Of course. I, like people, I, yeah. people would totally judge yeah. him. I, I can already tell you like, maybe, I, but yeah. I have a trans person in my ward and yeah, they may judge Alma, but like, it's not like we shun Alma. It's not like we, I, yeah, I don't think you guys intentionally shun 
shun Alma. But like, we definitely view people differently. Yeah. And and so hopefully I, we can change that. Right? Yeah. Where well, like, I, I don't know. Maybe does it need to be changed or does it not need to be changed? At the end of the day, like, is is homosexuality what God intended? Like, is 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 that what he intended or, and we're just not understanding it, or is it something that we have to overcome? I think that's, that's the question, yeah. right? Is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I met a guy at the mall one day and I was like, I door dash for my income because I'm just, you know, I can't figure out my life. Like I told you. And so I'm just going to door dash, not really bringing home the bacon with that. But, um, so I was at the mall, I was waiting for like to get back on. So I just, the mall here is like a central spot. And so I was just waiting, I was sitting down, this old guy came up to me and he just wanted to talk to me and he was, he had all these crazy theories going on. And you know, he told me, he said that he thinks, and I didn't tell him that I was gay just cause like, again, I was like, well, you're very conservative and I don't know how you're anyway, but, um, but he, uh, he's like, I think people are gay because the world is overpopulated and this is mother nature's way to try to like deal with the overpopulation. Can you, so, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just kidding. You what, don't have to share. I just what, thought those. What, what did he even mean by that? He, God okay, he talked about a lot of things. Oh, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah. Got it, got it, got so, it. by by Mother Nature creating gay people, they can't procreate. <laughs> so, therefore, the population goes back down to a normal range. Apparently, so he's he's so, alluding to like this entity called Mother Nature as part of like an evolutionary standpoint. That this is just how we're evolving because we're overpopulated and this is how nature is dealing with it. Is that, is that what he was alluding to? That is exactly what he was alluding to. I don't buy it. I think that's BS, but <laughs> yes. you could be right. Right. I yeah. got to keep just, an open mind. I, I, I just, had listen, I just keep here. coming. I just keep coming back to this, this question about love and what does sexuality play in the role of love? And is it a necessary condition in order for someone to love and have a meaningful relationship. And I am of the opinion in my privileged with my privileged self in my, in my relationship with my spouse, where we are having sex and enjoying it. Like, so this is very easy for me to say, of course, like I understand the privilege that I'm speaking from, but I am of the opinion that if that part was taken away from me, that I could still enjoy and have a very, very meaningful relationship with my significant other, my spouse. Mm -hmm. I'm of that opinion. Is sex fun? Of course. Do I like it? Of course. Would you like it? Of course you would. We are human. And I just, I, I wonder though, if we have just like magnified this in our society and our culture, and we have equated sex with love. And so now when homosexuality arises and becomes more prevalent, it's almost like, well, if you don't accept my homosexuality, you're telling me that I can't love the people that I want to love. And it's like, no, that's mm-hmm. wrong. That's the wrong way of thinking about it. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's what God's saying either. Right. So right. that I'm pretty positive of because I, I am having that experience with my children mm-hmm. and it is the most meaningful relationship ever. So what's the net, what would, so what does that apply to Jeremy in his situation? What do you, 
what's the implication? Well, I, I don't know because I, I don't I, I'm not Jeremy and I don't know his life. But I am saying that if if let's let's just go through the exercise of if the roles were reversed and Jeremy and God said that marriage is between a man and a man and I'm attracted to women. Okay, so roles are reversed. Could I imagine a scenario where I am told by God that you know what? Homosexuality is a sin. You have to marry another man. Or heterosexuality. It's a sin. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, sorry. Heterosexuality is a sin. You have to marry another man. Then I could imagine a scenario. If God came down himself and said that, then I would be like, okay, well, I want to do God's will. So I, I have to figure this out. I could imagine a scenario where I am in another relationship with another man and I'm making it work and I'm having a meaningful, would it take unbelievable work because we can't rely on the crutch of sex? Yes, it would take immense work. Like if I could not have sex with my wife, it would take, and I, I think about this often, actually, it's like, do I rely and lean upon sex more than I ought to? Or should I, should I be investing into my relationship in other areas? Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I sure. think I should, like, I, I think that if, if yeah. I'm being totally honest with myself, that is a huge failing of my part. Um, and a failing of most heterosexual couples. It's like we lean on sex and rely on sex so much in our relationships with our significant others. And if that were taken away from us, well, how would it change kind of, the relationship? Eventually it kind of will. Like we often neglect the people that are no, still oh living that are 80 and older. 80 years old. I'm still going to be. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm assuming it's a much, much. Very much, inappropriate. Much, yeah, we'll cut that part out. Uh, I'm assuming 80 years and older, you know, or like our grandparents or whatever, they're probably not like, it's really probably not a big part of their relationship anymore. Yeah. Right? Sure. So like, I do think it's affects the, you know, 18 year olds to 50, 60, 70 year olds much more than it does them. But to your point, like I think about this often, like what is like, what is Lex and I's relationship going to look like when we're 80 or 70? Like, or how close or will, we? will it last? Have, have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like have, 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 like I asked that with Lisa, we talk about like what our relationship will look like. Mm -hmm. Have we leaned upon sex so much that now when 70 years old comes around, it's like, we have nothing in common. We have yeah. no goals, dreams to share. Like mm -hmm. we, we don't have any substantial relationship. Like that's. That, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people do get divorced after their kids leave because once they leave, it's like, well, you we don't have anything in common anymore. Yeah. And the kids are gone. So anyways, but Jeremy, what are your thoughts on mm -hmm on this well i just was thinking like um if you uh like if god came down and told me that like and two things that came to mind first off first question i have is like like if you're just like like if you're gay or if you're let's say you know your situation you do find somebody and you try to make it work you're not attracted to them you really don't have a lot of commonalities you're sexually just doing attracted to them Hold it. Sexually attracted to them, right? Fair. Sexually attracted to them. You're just doing it because you're told that it's the right thing to do. You're trying to do what's right. Can you truly be happy, though? Do you feel like you can truly find happiness in that situation? I would say yes. And the reason that I say that is because I am attracted to you. I'm attracted to Chris. And I know that sounds weird to say that, right? Because we, we've equated attraction with sex. But like the reason I'm friends with you is because there's an attraction, like there, there's some sort of attraction there, right? 
and I feel happy in this relationship. Could me and you be closer? Absolutely. If I invested more time in the relationship and maybe if you invested more time in my, the relationship with me, I think we could get there, like become very good friends. Maybe. I think we're compatible enough. So my answer to you initially, like I said, I'm speaking from a very privileged standpoint, right? Because I don't struggle with this issue. I don't have to think about these things like you do. Yeah, you I would dog. say, yes, I could potentially be very happy. Like I'm very happy. Hard. Be, like it would be hard probably it would be harder because yeah. <laughs> sex does play a role in in bringing you closer to a person mm -hmm. but it's not the only thing that that does that right like some of my yeah. best friends like chris for example i've got another friend chris i've got another friend josh like i i would say that it's a very fulfilling relationship very fulfilling yeah. and i would venture off to say that if it was just me and that person and I really invested more into that, I think we could absolutely get there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and so, and that's fair. Um, uh, but, you know, like another thing I thought of, and of course, like if I wanted to be a celibate, I could just become a Catholic priest, but I don't know if I'd <laughs> want that. But here's the thing. Another thing I thought about is you're talking, <laughs> uh, you talked about like, you know, God coming down and telling you, like, I mean, if God told you and, and you know, he told you, it would be mm -hmm. hard to like go against that because that's quite a witness. Sure. But at the same yeah. time, thinking about it's, like it's a really good point. But th but then so like and so if he didn't tell you, you're just doing it because like the church is telling you. Would you still do it? But then another mm -hmm. question I have is well, um, hold on, hold on. Before you jump, before you jump to that, <sighs> I think that God I, and the church are two separate issues, my friend. Well, that's kind of his point. Okay. Okay. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point, though. Okay. It's like you know, like. God yeah. hasn't come down and told me, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like the culture that's, it's like this, what we know yeah. is, is like, so that's my point is like, well, to push, back, case, to push back, to push back, to push back, Chris, Chris, for example, would for sure push back on that because he, he would say that God is telling you the way to live because God has revealed through his prophets that this is the way that it's happened. And this is why I think it's so important to like deconstruct what is the most important line of communication? Because should we rely on prophetic counsel or should we rely on our relationship with God? And I think in your instance, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not your bishop. I'm not your therapist or your dad. Prophet. But like I, if I, I were in your right. shoes, I would absolutely be prioritizing the connection to God. And I would be sifting, like, what does God want me to do? Here's what the prophets have counseled. I can use it as like a check and a balance to line up my answers, but like, let's, let's get to like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And I think that if, if you're able to, to ask the right questions, I think that eventually God is going to tell you exactly what you, Jeremy Moore need to do. Yeah. Anyway, I believe and that. I, I don't disagree with that. It's a fine line because you know, it's like, we know that prophets have made mistakes and they're not perfect human beings, Totally, but it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I understand where Chris is coming from, and maybe again, it's just because this is how we're brought up. But like everything the prophet says is scripture, you know. I know. But, yeah. but it's like, and so it's like that's kind of the doctrine, say. yeah. And so it's you know, it's so it's a fine line. I can understand both points of view, and I don't really yeah. disagree with either of you in in a sense. But another thing that I thought of to kind of go against me is you know like. <laughs> Again, God hasn't told me that. And I don't know in the end if being homosexual is really bad or not. If it's just we're just 
right, being right, yeah. dumb. But but as I'm thinking about this, is if it really was not what God wanted, if God really is like, you know what, I really don't want you to be to act upon this. I know you're gay, but I don't want. You. If if he like if that were the answer, and like and I was trying to search for answers, like if that were the answer, maybe the reason why I'm not getting that is because. I, if I if I was told that, would I still like I wouldn't want that. You know what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't want him to tell me that it's not good to be gay. So like if he ended up t- if that's the revelation that I got, like just knowing what I know now, I, I don't want to hear that. Because like mm. I am gay. I do want to have a relationship with a dude. I do. I, I don't I don't like yeah, being alone. Yeah. Like it's not fun mm-hmm. to constantly feel yeah. like you just don't have somebody to have that deep connection with. Because I see that with all these people. And I'm not jealous. I'm happy for them. I'm happy that you're married, that you and Chris both have a wife and family because there's so much joy that comes from that. I wouldn't want you to not have joy, but where is that for me? You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, if if that were the answer, like, I, I, would I like actually still listen to it? Like, if he told me that, am I in a position where I have enough faith where it's like, Okay, I'm gonna stay strong. I'm gonna do my best. Like I don't know. I, I think I would still maybe try to find a relationship with somebody. So it's like, for me, it's like maybe well, when, I'm not. When you say if, relationship, are you? Because we're we're talking. Yeah, we're talking about. Like I, I think it's important to be specific. Like, are we talking about sex or, or are we talking about relationship? Because like I think they're the not above. the same. I think all of the above. Yeah. So and it, and it goes back to like what you talked about with with truly understanding what love is like what role does sex have like I I kind of agree with you that you can love somebody and have a deep relationship without having sex I believe that and if and if that's what I'm gonna have like yeah I'll take that intimate but even if, as well intimate, intimate even yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it's like then it goes back to like, cause everything is sexualized, but it's like, well, then what role does sex have? Is, is sex a part of love or is it like, is it sex? The only purpose is to have offspring because there's people that I've met that believe that like even using mm-hmm. a condom is a sin that sex should yes. only be used to have procreate and that's it. But then mm-hmm. like, but I have friends like that the, too, by the way. Yeah. But even in the church, like, it's okay to have sex as because it's part of love. It's how you grow close to each other. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's the an answer. ingredient. I would say it's definitely, there's yeah, no, no doubt. It's an ingredient. It's not the cake, but it's an ingredient. Yeah. Th- there's, yeah. there's much more to the recipe of love, if you will, but it's, it's definitely an ingredient. I, I'm not going to deny that for yeah. sure. So like, would the cake, so like, would the cake taste different without that ingredient? Yeah. It would. Yeah. yeah. It's like, not like, no pun like, intended. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And I'm not saying that you guys should do this, but let's just, just hypothetical here. Like if you truly wanted to know how important sex is to love, like why don't you just go a year or two without sex and then come back and tell me what you think? Could you, could yeah. you honestly go like one, two, five years and not have sex? Would you be willing to try yeah. that out? Yeah. I, listen, if you're being serious – I I'd be willing to try it out. I, I don't know. I don't know if my wife. I, mean, would be I, I don't. Just I don't. She, she would I, don't I don't want to be the reason you get divorced. But is this something? <laughs> well, that's is that's, this something that's, to think that's about? That's a good point, right there, dude. No, that's a good point. But like, would it cause a divorce? Because if it causes a divorce, 
then gosh, man, I've got to do some heavy thinking about like what my relationship is centered on, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's exactly. my whole point is what what I'm saying is I think that sex has become a huge crutch in the heterosexual relationship. And we have just bought into this, I'm going to say lie because I don't think that it's true that sex is love. I don't think that's true. I like I said, I think it's an ingredient. It's it's no is doubt. Is it a result of love though? Is it a result of love or is it completely not separate? I think it's separate. Well, that's fair. It's not always. It yeah. can be. It's not. I mean. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah I think it's separate. Like, like. Because yeah. I mean, think of you know, like sex is sex. When we really think about it, is just. I don't want to. I don't know how in the nitty gritty we want to get here. <laughs> well, feel free to speak openly. But, uh, yeah, but like this is no longer for meant example, for children. Like, yeah, like for example, like if I wasn't married and I'm straight, yeah. like I. I can't have sex anyways, right? Like just because I'm straight doesn't mean that I can have sex whenever I want. I can't like, like there's, we've had debates on masturbation or pornography. Like I think that really when it comes down to it, it sucks as men too. I think that unfortunately men have a, you're working against nature a lot of the time. Right. And it's very difficult in general, but according to what we've been taught, like the natural man being an enemy to God or like controlling your emotions, controlling your urges or whatever is I think a form of self mastery. And so I would say that sex in general is not love. Like I would say that, yes, it is a form, but I don't think it is love at all. I think it's, it's, a, it's not a form. It's a way to express, a way to express it. But sure. even then it's not every time you have sex is a, a oh, way that you're totally. expressing love. Like I dude. I, I spent three years at San Diego State in the locker room, bro. Trust me, sex is not just an expression of love. I can yeah. guarantee you that. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, these questions, I think, are really important to like talk about. And I'm glad you're willing to talk to us about them because I've wanted to have these kinds of conversations for years, yeah. dude. And I just, I don't, I don't know... Like, I'm, I'm glad that we have a relationship where we can discuss these things. Because I don't have the answers. I know you don't have the answers. I know you're going through it way more than I'm going through it. But like being able to talk about these things is so important, not just for your sake, but for my sake as well. Because honestly, it really makes me worry about, you know, not, not worry, but like it really makes me more concerned about my relationship and what I should be focusing on in my relationship with my spouse, you know, and, and maybe right. we've got this all wrong and maybe sex is the end all be all. And that's what God wants us to be is like sexual beings. Who knows? I don't think that's the case, but um, I could be wrong and I have to, to, to keep an open mind. But at the end of the day, I think the question that needs to be answered is what role is sex supposed to play in love? And can you have love without it? And if you can, it changes the game. And if you can't, it also changes the game. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how I've thought about it for the last year, ever since me and you had that conversation. Um, I still have not settled. I, if my son were to come to me in a couple of years and say, hey, dad, I like guys, I would love him, obviously. I would mm -hmm. support him. But like from a spiritual and religious standpoint, I don't know if I would have the answers for him, right? Like he would, he would be in your shoes. Like you'd have to struggle with this. And 
I think at the end of the day, I would point him to God. I wouldn't point him to the church. I wouldn't point him to the scriptures. I would point him to God. Obviously, I would I would encourage him to use those things to try, get close to try and get close to God. But like I would tell him at the end of the day, buddy, it's it's you and God. He loves you. And I'm sure he's going to answer you. And I'm sure your answer may be different from my answer. And I would encourage you to go and find that, whether it takes a year or 15 years or 50 years. Just as long as you are honestly seeking the truth, I, I think that you'll be okay. Honestly. But it doesn't take yeah. away from the fact that it's still difficult. Oh, no, yeah. not at all. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like I said in the beginning, I I, it's, I empathize for you and I have very close uh, people in my life that are also gay and um, I truly empathize, I, but I don't want to like pity you. Like I, I, I think that it's yeah. like, I, I can empathize just like how I can empathize with anyone else that has any issues that go against commandments, right? Like it's, and so-called I, commandments well, insofar as that we've been told our commandments. Is that better? Yes. Okay. But, um, I think the, for me, and this is again, Chris Isaac doctrine, but you know, as we shouldn't shun people who smoke, you know, or who drink or who are divorced. Which I don't or, think are sins, by the way, but yeah. Okay. Continue. Leave, stop. <laughs> but, but, but to your point though, even sins or not, if they are sins, that has happened in the past where people look down on people who smoke at church or who, who drink or who, you know, have tattoos or whatever. Like at the end of the day, I think Christ would want everybody in his pews. I do. I, I can see where the church comes from. Like, where's the line of condoning and, and, you know, just accepting, I guess, or, or like, I can't think of another word, but like what's supporting it versus what's like loving them. Um, that's a very fine line to draw, but I do think that Christ would want people in his pews that are gay. I think that just as how we shouldn't look down on other people who have different issues. I have a lot of issues that a lot of people don't know about, but they're internal or they're different issues. And if I were to show everyone my, my sins, I probably get stared at and that's sad or, or whatever. But, um, I would hope that like, my hope is that for those that are gay, I hope that they can feel welcome in within the walls of what I believe is his church. And I think as a member of his church, what I need to do is love you and I can love you and not say like, if Dallin were to be addicted to having sex with a bunch of different women, I can love him and still not approve of that behavior like fully, you know, I can still love him and I can still like love you as a person. I love my friends, even though I don't fully condone or think that that behavior is, you know, what God would, would approve of just like how with Dallin's example, I would hope that members of the church can do that in a way that, and it sounds like they have so far with the people that you've told, right? Like they haven't, they haven't, you know, do. And I, I would hope that we get to a point as a community where we can toe that line and love people and be like Christ would and, and love you as a human, you know, and love you. If you do get married to a guy and have a family, we can love your family, you know, and, and still look at you as a brother in Christ. So that's my two cents. I th- yeah. I, I don't know if you have anything else to say, Jeremy, but um, one thing that I think would be interesting that we didn't really touch on, maybe we can do it in a future podcast um but is this concept between like is marriage ordained of god 
And if it is, has he ordained it to be between a man and a woman? And if he has, then what are we to make of polygamy? Like that's that's a really that's a really that's big like a whole issue and question in the church. Whole, yeah. No, it is. Has like, yeah, yeah. You know, if it's supposed to be a, between a man and a woman, but there are scriptures in the Book of Mormon that says, "Well, until I command otherwise," then it leaves open for the possibility that we maybe don't understand the bigger picture here, and that yeah. there could be additional revelation to come, and maybe culturally we're not ready for that as a global church yet or maybe the apostles and the people leading the church aren't ready to receive that yet for whatever paradigms they're stuck in and maybe you'll be required to go and receive that on your i I don't know but i think it would be an interesting question to talk about because marriage between a man and a woman has not always been the case in biblical times nor in recent modern mormon history so yeah. I'll, I'll 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 leave the floor up to you to if, if you have any other other thoughts that you want to chat about like happy to stay on and, and chat but um i know we're getting to like you probably you probably need to be door dashing here pretty soon right <laughs> well i'm not a top dasher anymore so i can't go anytime so. <laughs> oh dang that sucks uh, when that happens yeah i was a door dasher so i get it oh yeah yeah thank yes thank you i'm glad yes, you and also should i call you i just realized that your name is isaac should I call you Sir Isaac Chris? Oh, well, can I call you <laughs> Sir Isaac Chris? Sure. Because like yeah. that sounds fitting. Yeah, um, sure. Anyways, uh, um, well, you just—that's a lot to talk about. I mean, it's because I mean, like you talked about, like the priesthood wasn't always given to everybody; it was just given to the what tribe, the Levites, whatever. At one point, I mean, mm-hmm. the law of Moses didn't last forever; it was just for a certain time. So it's so I mean there's a lot of things that I think we don't have enough time to talk about. I also want to talk about like like I texted you like that's a legitimate question I had down about like developing a relationship with Christ. Like that's something that I think would be fun to talk about. But oh, yeah. I mean, we we've talked so much I I don't know how mentally fatigued we are or not. Well dude, there's there's plenty of opportunities. I I would love to get you on again, honestly. Mm-hmm. Me too. And maybe explore some more of these topics because I think that we've only begun to scratch the surface. And I think what is what is super important in some of these conversations is the ability to go back and just like let it marinate. Yeah, <laughs> you think know, about like, it. Like yeah. just just sit with it. Let's and 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 we get feedback all the time from people like asking further questions. I got feedback from you on the last podcast that made me lose sleep. And I know you lost sleep. I was like, what is this guy trying to tell me? Like, I need to figure this out. Oh, right. And, Jeremy. And, yeah. and this, this, these kinds of exercises are important. So I, I, I don't think this is, I, I think we should do this again. Yeah. A hundred percent. But um, if you'll have me that, yeah, this was fun. Like, and you, you make me think about things like I don't want to lose sleep, but I mean, it's kind of fun. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, dude, I, I appreciate you coming on. Like what you did today is, was cool. I think that it can help a lot of people. Yeah. And and when you sent me that text, I, I know selfishly, it, it sounds rude of me to say, but like, I was very excited. I was like, yes, finally, I have someone to talk to about these things, you know, who's going to give me, who's going to give me real answers, you know, like who's in the thick yeah. of it, because this is something that has stumped me for years and years and years and i don't know what to make of it and i don't envy your position i think that you know i i Mm. think that you've got a lot on your plate and good luck with it dude yeah 
Thank you. Yeah. It's a therapist right it's, there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think you're both my therapist. I appreciate it. Just please, <laughs> please don't send me a bill because I can't afford it. So. <laughs> okay. All right, dude. Well, yeah. What, like, like I said, thanks for coming on. I think this was awesome. Let's do this again soon because uh, I think that there's more that needs to be explored. Definitely. All right. Yeah, I'm down. That was fun. So thanks for having me. I'd appreciate it because this was fun. So I would rather do this than DoorDash, to be honest. So. All right. Sounds okay, good. Okay, man. All right. Good Take to see you, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah you too.